Material for the brain. Conversations for thinking bodies. Hello, Tom. Uh, welcome to my podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. And as you know, you are my first guest, so it's a new thing, and it's very nice to share it with you. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Very good. Um back home in Barcelona, happy to be back. Uh, and it's something that is uh, probably rare to say in uh, nowadays, <laughs> happy to be back home. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, uh, before we start, I just wanna make a short introduction for those who might don't know you. Uh, and yeah, maybe you can add or correct me if uh, you think that the way I describe you is not accurate, but uh, Tom is a movement artist, he's a choreographer, He's a martial artist, an acrobat, and generally, uh, I, I would describe him a freak of nature. Uh, and uh, Tom has been doing many things around the field of uh, movement and contemporary dance, and uh, he has been uh, founding the contemporary dance uh, company Wonderground together with his partner, Rossel Tutuzaus. And he's also the founder of the Movement Archery, which is a body of work for pedagogy and movement education. And he's been teaching uh, his uh, workshops and seminar. Uh, how, how many years already? Around seven, ten years? How many years have you been traveling? Yeah, yeah. Mo movement archery, seven years. Seven years, already. yeah. Uh, cool. Maybe, maybe we can start just by telling, if you can share a little bit, what have you been doing? Uh, I know we, we've, we've met uh, quite recently, and I know that now you've been in Poland. No, what have you been doing there? Yeah, um, basically we, we, we traveled uh, together, me and uh, uh, Rosé, we went to, to just give a three days workshop there, um, which, um, which was, very, was very nice. Also first time in Poland and I have uh, Polish roots. So it was also quite a, a fascinating trip for me to, uh, to, to go there for the first time. Um, you don't speak yeah, Polish. Like, so we, we also... I don't, I don't speak uh, Polish. I know uh, very little words. They tried to teach me a few, uh, a few things, but it didn't go so well. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, this, this, uh, this trip, it was after we met you, and uh, it's actually it concluded uh, a working tour, which we're very happy to have, um, which included a, a creation of a performance in, uh, in SEED, and then before another workshop, which was a collaboration with a martial artist. Um, by the name of Karsten Stausberg in uh, Cologne, Germany. So cool. uh, we were about uh, a month and a half, two months uh, away. On the road. And how, how, how did it feel to travel and, and teach in this pandemic? The, the, did you feel a like, significant difference in, in this tour in comparison to how life was before the corona, pan, corona crisis? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, everything becomes much more, uh, I think, uh, special, everything movement related nowadays, because I think that, you know, it's kind of like you, you take away the possibility of doing something. And then when it happens, uh, uh, people um, maybe take it less for granted. Mm. So uh, people who, who show up to the events and the dancers that we're working with in our uh, creative process, 
they were much more, um, I would say, like sensitive or vivid with, with uh, all the propositions that we gave. Uh, and then on the other hand, you all the time have this uh, threat in the background of like regulations will change, uh, we will have to stop in the middle, somebody, um, somebody will test positive and, and the whole thing needs to go down. So it gives a certain uh, tension that is, um, it has something exciting about it actually. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, of course, nobody wants things to get canceled, but, but you feel you're doing something that, again, it's not for granted. And this is, this is quite an interesting uh, feeling. Yeah, it's kind of a good reminder to what is always there, but so hidden, so we don't notice it. But uh, how did you feel about, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my base in Vienna, before the pandemic, I used to teach a lot of regular classes and then many things changed. And one of the things that I've noticed with my students is just how, how the, yeah, like how this, Corona crisis affects the the way people treat their own bodies. And yeah, did you did you sense something different in 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 people's approach to touch, to being in a room and moving with other people? Or you really felt like you know business as usual? People forgot about it and just dive into your material, or or you had to kind of negotiate this whole new new situation in your in your in your teaching experiences. It's a very good question. Um, I think that um, it's a little bit, there's the other side of, uh, of this uh, new sensitivity. So on one hand, I feel that this sensitivity that people have now is a sensitivity that is like make them appreciate more. But then on the other hand, it's almost like something about bodies and the ability to communicate is a little bit less uh, resilient now, which is totally logical. People have been sitting at home um, and not interacting so intensely and so regularly. And then it's almost like, um, I feel that the, the communication is like too easily making too much of a big waves in the room. Like, you know, if, if um, uh, uh, there's kind of a, a little bit of a hesitation from, uh, from communicating too directly from the people. It's like everybody wants to, to be on their own, you know, because this is what they've been doing for a couple of months. Mm. Um, then also on the physical level, that um, I would say that naturally people would be more coming to, to, to engage with us uh, and to learn from us. They, they would come more kind of proactively wanting to be pushed and challenged. Um, and now there's less of this. It's almost like mm. people want to take it easy and want to take it slowly. Um, and almost like finish a whole event without never going outside of their comfort zone. Well, of course, we, do, we try our best to not see it as something that like to adapt and accommodate the, the, the way people uh, come. But um, I would definitely feel that, that um, a longer time of not, uh, of not communicating physically for people can be something that has uh, serious consequences. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely resonate with what you meant about the, the comfort zone and like the, our roles as teacher. I remember that uh, when, the, when the pandemic started and in, in the first lockdown happened, uh, I was quite quick to react with the whole online teaching because you know, I have this kind of tech nerd <laughs> aspect of me. And I set it up the, the whole uh, platform to teach online very quickly. And I remember that in the first few classes, I just felt okay yeah i'm just keeping like 
what we did in the studio now in, in my living room. And, and very quickly I realized that like that nobody's interested in pushing their bodies. Nobody, like people are not like the whole notion of meeting to practice got a completely different focus. And, and, and yeah, and of course like that, like we've already, I don't know, seven months after the, the first lockdown and, and, and many things change, but nevertheless, I, it's something that I feel that, that became more present in my classes and, and what I notice about people's like, interest. Why do they come to learn and why do they come to the studio? Uh, and yeah, and then this notion of getting something else beyond this kind of uh, linear drive to get better about something is something that clearly, I see it as a, as a, as a positive thing, you know, like, not saying that improvement and you know goal chasing doesn't have room uh, place in the studio, but but to a certain degree, I feel like that it's 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 a good thing that is happening. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean definitely, definitely. Again, you know, I I, I feel that in general, the this is why I say like if I if I can connect all of the the changes is is people became more sensitive, which I agree that totally. Um, that like generally it brings a lot of good things with it. I think also that another thing that connects to the sensitivity is that people become more sensitive to the, um, to the reason uh, of the content, you know, and this goes back to, to why things are not for granted. There is now, it's almost like there is more effort to come and engage in something physically, more effort to communicate. So people are more focused on like, okay, why do I even do this? Mm. And I think that this is great. I think if people, would uh, spend more time in uh, the existential realm, you know, the, the, all the activities that they do will be more, uh, uh, more coherent with themselves. Um, I would say, and, and probably we'll get back to it also later, I suppose, um, but I would say that what I see as far as the, the, um, the lack of willingness to, to, to physically go outside of the comfort zone, um, I agree that, I agree that, um, it can be something that usually is connected to, to goal chasing. But like, for example, in our case, and in my personal case, um, for me, the, the going outside of the comfort zone is something that I do, you know, for, for my well-being, not in order to get something. And for example, I know that it's very difficult to, um, to give a safe space for somebody to go outside of their physical comfort zone uh, through this medium of a screen. You know, if I'm with a person in this space, it's easier for me to tell you can go further, you know, and I, I will, I will look, I, I will support you if needed. Um, I will give you the right, uh, the, the, the right uh, tips for not, for, for these things not becoming um, hurtful for yourself. But through the screen, I would never do it, you know, because I don't feel the person. And then I think that in that sense, the, Losing this ability, um, this is, I think it can, be, it can be a little bit risky. Again, you know, whatever, like uh, uh, nothing is uh, in that sense is good or bad. But um, I would say that totally the existential thing that comes now with the practice is something that I think is, uh, is, is, very, is very good for the work that we do, it's very supportive. Um, but then again, the sensitivity can also go very quickly into, a, a, I'd say, a certain fragility. And then so, some of the tools that we practice might become uh, too difficult. Yeah, I guess there is a certain tension because 
But when you're when you're choosing to engage in, a, in in studying your body, and especially, I mean, something we both share is this kind of interest. Think about the uh, about volumes of kinetic energy and like uh, looking at movement as something that can really moves you, and not that you're always the one in control. Let's say like this. And so there's a certain tension, I guess, between the you know you enter the studio because you want to touch certain existential threat let's say like this you want to push your body to a place where you feel like wow <laughs> i'm alive because like the, you know like i'm alive because i'm risking my life no like and of course it, it, to the degree that we do it in the studio we, we are not uh, it's still a very safe space and i guess that uh, at least that's something that i really feel like maybe relates a little bit to both our cultural uh, background and like you know I live in Vienna and you live in Barcelona but we, we both grew up in Israel which is a place that, or, that let's say in its essence it's a, there is a mentality of a war zone and like the, the, the safety is never for granted there and and I guess that that this is something that I felt that changed really radically where where I live now that uh, people had didn't confront with like catastrophes on that scale for so many years that that it really affected the sense of safety and, 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 and yeah, now people are getting used to it and you know, there's different people approach the whole crisis differently, but, but yeah, I think that that's, that's maybe something that is quite hard to negotiate. Nevertheless, you know, like how, how do you enable people to feel safe when they are already feeling unsafe, regardless of the situation? And maybe that's something that is especially hard to communicate through online teaching and this kind of platform. But even in the studio, I find it not so easy. You know, like people do bring those tensions and, and it's very hard to filter what is going on in your life. And when you enter a, a studio, even if you act professionally, let's say, no? Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I, think, I think that this adjustment, you know, that uh, for example, this adjustment of moving into a different culture, and I would say that in that sense, um, you know, a culture is always, is always, um, is always a generalization. But as a generalization, of course, that I totally agree with you, that the difference between um, most of Europe and like, for example, particularly Austria and, uh, and Spain is a little bit different, but, but still, um, and Israel is, for example, is a, is a cultural difference that needs a lot of negotiation. And, and I, I think this negotiation makes life, life interesting. Um, it's, 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 it pushes you and, and pulls you in ways that, that, that make you, I believe, grow eventually. And, and what I feel is happening a little bit now, and, um, and I don't think that is necessarily because of the pandemic. The pandemic just like gave us a very, it's like extracted it. It's like made it more extreme. Uh, and, and maybe this is something you can tell me if you resonate or, or not, but that it's almost like our modern culture, not our specific culture, is like trying to take away this necessity of negotiation. So it's almost like um, if I come to work or to teach or to learn or to dance in, in a place like uh, uh, Vienna or in a place like Israel or in a place like Brazil, in a place like um, the United States, when I, a couple of years back, I remember that it was really kind of an, an effort for me to think, how, how should I bring myself into this context? Uh, what do I need to change about the way I hold my body, the volume, 
the volume of my voice, the words that I use. And it's almost now the like there, there, we, we start to, to receive so many rules that these rules kind of they minimize the necessity for adaptation. Um, and for example, in the pandemic, it's very clear that it's like we, we chose that if we hold a workshop in a certain physical space, um, we, we, we basically we take the risk, you know. But then outside, all what you get is instructions of a, a physical distance, um, type of activity, uh, what to eat, what not to eat, what touch, what not to touch. Um, you know, and if you add it to hold the context of our modern society, it's becoming more and more kind of like, okay, you know, we have a one set of instructions and this set of instructions is supposed to accommodate all types of different cultures and behaviors and, and tensions. And basically like, you know, all of you fit in and then don't adapt to each other. Like, you know, so it's like, of course, no mistakes. Um, Nobody supposedly gets hurt, but all of us, like, you know, kind of try to, to, to fit in it into kind of a very specific formula. And this is something that I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just reflecting on it. And again, maybe you can also share from your experience, but I, it's almost like I missed seven years ago when I was so frustrated with adapting myself to different cultures. And today I feel that like, you know, little by little, the, big the, the adaptation mode, yes. is a, it's one big shop. It's one big. You know, shopping like shopping malls. Mall. It's like you know, uh, it's, it's these it, spaces that you you feel always the same. And yeah, it's definitely there is definitely something that I you know I felt it like uh, we took a little trip to Italy in the summer and like and generally I would say that Austrian and Italian are not that similar no? <laughs> in many things, especially like physical expression. But you know, the, the, definitely the. Um, yeah, and you know that's the interesting thing because I think it brings it back to the body, and 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 this is something that maybe uh, is not that addressed on the public sphere because I think that it again we are generally speaking we are living in a disembodied societies, so of course when the corona mm -hmm. crisis comes and we are we are all worried of, on preserving life but we don't look at the body as the mean to to address the problems and 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 yeah and then you know like we restrict bodily behavior but we don't look at it as something that has consequences so it's like you just say a rule like okay you need to be one meter from people you know like i mean this in a mind of a of a dancer this is a very interesting score because i have to always keep a certain distance from people you know it's like this can this can occupy you for a lifetime no like just engaging with this kind of task but and it demands a lot of like physical skills you know but but i think that it, it the way it, it it is being communicated or maybe received is is again it's it's is a fear triggering and and it doesn't and yeah and then you take a culture like austria and 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 and, and italy which are very different when it comes to physical expression and you put them into those systems of regulation and then yeah things become more the same than different and that's in a way sad yeah because and and i i, I would like also to to what you you said now point that i can resonate a lot with that this is idea that like you know the thinking of a singular consequence you know okay we limit the distance we limit the interaction so 
we are um, taking care of something that is very important. You know, it's very necessary now when there is a pandemic outraging, which is means we're taking care of uh, um, mortality. We minimize the number of deaths. But there's more consequences. And it's important that at least they are being expressed. You know, people don't interact. They lose this capacity to interact. It's not like, you know, the capacity to interact is being reserved because there's a pandemic. And it's not that like the capacity to physically interact can be reserved through Zoom classes and through Netflix. Um, yeah, this capacity know, I, will be lost, of course. You know, it can be regained, but like it's important to say it. You know, we were paying a price that is not only economical. And actually, I, I, heard, I heard from one of my uh, students in Vienna who is a, a teacher, uh, I think primary school, I'm not, I don't really remember. Uh, and it made me think like, you know, because uh, me, I also have kids, uh, but they're in an age where they don't really, they didn't really, <laughs> the, the, the pandemic didn't affect them to a level that is really substantial. But, but uh, my student, she shared me, she shared with me that, uh, that one time in the school, like she saw, she, you know, the kids had time where they can interact, uh, when they can play outside. And then one kid accidentally touched another kid and his reaction was like, <gasps> Like he was so afraid of it, and 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 you know, and I and and I think like, yes, adult, we can go through this. Uh, we can contextualize it wi- more wide, so we can understand. Okay, we are losing some capacity, but it's a, there, there is a certain context. But I think that the generation that will really get, you know, that we will we will somehow have to confront with the with the actual implication of the pandemic is those kids who are really. It really changes the way they understand bodily interaction in a very substantial way. And yeah, and I really wonder what will be the effect because it's such an unaddressed issue in general. No, it's like, I mean, it really connects in a way to the reason why I wanted to initiate this podcast. You know, I'm, I've been busy in the last, I don't know, the last decade with the question of what does it mean to live meaningfully in relationship with your body? And, and I think, and I feel that it's such an unaddressed question like many people are addressed with how to train good or like you know like if you're or if you're working through a certain disciplinary lens so you want to improve in your own discipline or you want to discover new things within your own discipline but really to to question like what does it do to your life and to how you are and what kind of thoughts you have and how do you interact with others that's something that i feel that is always in the shadow we are aware of it and there's a lot of cliches around you know like in each discipline, there is each discipline has its own cliches of how it's quickly transforming your life. But, but I think this is for me the the the, the core question, you know. Like, and yeah, I don't want to get stuck just on the pandemic because it's just one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you. But maybe I can maybe I can open a, a, another another topic which which is somehow relate but moving away. Like, so because before the pandemic, you've been traveling a lot, and I know that like being on the road was something that was very present in your life. And, and I just wanted if you could share a little bit like your thoughts about how did this particular lifestyle affected your relationship with the body. And, and the reason I'm interested in this question is because I, I think that relating to the body demands on one hand, certain amount of novelty and inspiration, you know, new things that, that, that happen that you can kind of keep yourself motivated. But on the other hand, there is a certain necessity for, routine and predictability you know like 
and yeah, I'm, I'm interesting. How how did this, how did your lifestyle affect uh, affect your relationship with your body? Uh, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, I think that that first of all, like the as a as a disclaimer before I I answer, probably the the you know I believe that like the uh, the relationship with my body can is including many relation many relationships with myself, you know, at the same time. So, um, for example, I would say that like on a very on a very simple level, I think that traveling um, demands a lot. If if you want to sustain a regular practice routine, you know, so a lot of flights, which means like um, you're out of the air, sleeping is not regular. Um, all the time changing spaces, all the time changing types of foods, which I know that also as a, as a professional uh, to sustain a certain kind of uh, uh, consistent practice routine, it's all the things that you don't want to do. You know, like uh, my practice routine always benefits from having regular sleep and a diet that accommodates it and spaces that, that like, you know, um, they return to and practice there. Then, uh, um, that this kind of consistency in spaces is almost like a reference to the things that change and um, and so on and so on. But I think that also uh, what I spoke about before, the, this adaptation is bringing into the, the relationship with the body something very interesting that is kind of like, I would say, it's almost like a, a nomadism or dynamicism. You know, it's like that that nothing can be First of all, taken for granted. Second of all, become a fixed object, uh, which I think is a wonderful thing because, you know, it's it's taught me to acknowledge that all of a sudden I land in a different space and I'm, I'm things that I would like uh, uh, normally, which again normally also change a lot when you travel a lot, like uh, uh, certain moves, certain qualities of movement, and certain skills. All of a sudden, they're not there, or they're not there the way I thought they would be. You know? And then I need to work with it, regardless, because also this traveling was never kind of a, was never purely backpacking. Well, I was always working, either performing, creating, or teaching. So I need to come, not exactly know what what I have to give to the context that I come, not exactly know what I can teach, what I can perform, or what I can create, and still work with it. And this, I, I uh, felt that it was something actually very empowering uh, because it's almost like I got used to the idea that I always miss something and this is also a strength. You know, it's like I have all the time this kind of like um, uh, something is not there the way it used to be. What can I do with it? You know, what can I become now? And and I think that I know a lot of the, a lot of the, what you say, a lot of the kind of the dogmas or the cliches of disciplines is sometimes to get stuck on, for example, I'm working on something for many years. And then it's almost like I'm getting used to the narrative that I am Tom in judo that has a weak sayonage. And like, you know, and it becomes kind of an identity, these things that I'm working on and these things that I'm working towards, you know, and then like, and I also, I get, I get pride and happiness and, and certain, um, it's like almost like I, I really 
treat it as my persona. I'm Tom that works on Sanagi. And then maybe I, I improve my Sanagi. The teacher says I managed to pull it in a randori. Then I am Tom that managed to do the Sanagi despite working on the Sanagi for it. You know, and all of this is identities that in reality, in a, you know, in kind of being in the present moment with the body has nothing to do with, for example, my, in a judo context, my ability to do judo in a specific moment, you know, like the, the, this whole Sanagi thing is like a story, is a, is, is, a, is a total narrative. And traveling basically taught me not to identify with these stories. Um, and then, you know, so this kind of, I would say like, it's, it's almost like I'm getting used to a nomadic body rather than like, you know, a fixed body. So, um, so yeah, I think this is kind of a, gives the b- both sides of the traveling lifestyle. Okay, and, and just to just to continue it because you know I've I've been living this lifestyle uh, much shorter than you because it took it took a big toll on my life and 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 I stopped traveling kind of two years ago. Uh, but I think that you know like something that is interesting to to ask in this question and and I wonder how do you deal with it because something that definitely happens is that there is a new identity that is being emergent. No, it's like, I'm, I'm the traveling artist. I'm the guest. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the new exciting dish in the table when you're, when you travel. And, and yeah, and, and one thing that, you know, it relates to another point that I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, being a student, but we will develop it later, but how did you negotiate or how do you still negotiate the tension that when you're traveling uh, and you're arriving as a guest, there is a certain excitement about it, no? And there is a certain, like, you're being lifted to a certain podium that maybe you don't want to identify or maybe you do want to identify with. Uh, uh, and then it, uh, it definitely can, can be the roots for the establishment of another fake identity that maybe is more pleasant to relate or not so pleasant, doesn't matter, but it's still kind of the same. So how do you address this? Well, I, I think that the lesson of, of not, not identifying with, uh, with the story goes, goes also to this. Like, even though it might seem at the moment more pleasant to identify with the exciting, exciting guest, I also think that it's, it's um, I mean, I have learned, not that I think, uh, I, I have learned that, that it's, also, it's also an identity that most likely is not relevant to, to me being present in the same place and also me doing the work that I was invited to do. So um, I think that a lot of things that, all, that, that helped me with, with not identifying, for example, with something positive and not, not becoming a certain uh, uh, kind of spectacular image to myself, which is false because I'm spectacular at certain things and other things I'm very not spectacular about. And it also changes in every trip. Um, but it was like to be very pragmatic about it, which again, this is also something that going back to me being a bit nostalgic about where society is, is going to, um, if I'm invited to, to, to perform, you know, at the end of the day, I need to, to make certain movements to the eyes of the audience. If I'm invited to teach, I need to bring content and make sure that this content is being practiced, is being questioned, is being, uh, um, uh, demonstrated by me if I'm coming to create I need to make sure that I end up with a with a performance at the end this is like you know this was uh and and starting from this 
And by the way, in the same sense, because traveling uh, for work allowed me also to travel a lot, not for work in between. And it was okay. And if I go to see, you know, the beautiful nature around the Rio de Janeiro, it's like, is me finding the way to place myself <laughs> in, this, uh, in these jungles. So every time that I would get a little bit confused with kind of the image or the symbol, I would go to the only thing that actually is in my momentarily control, which is the pragmatic uh, uh, actions, and which stand in the essence of the... Now, of course, like, you know, the, to, to do what I was supposed to do, you know, um, is, is, is also something that can change and also something that, like, you know, sometimes it faces problems or obstacles or challenges. Uh, I think that, that the, the, the main kind of confusion with this stuff um, is that in movement, everything is ephemeral, which means that if I do a movement, it's gone as soon as I do it. You know, I cannot kind of retain it. I cannot, uh, um, I cannot capture it. I cannot collect it, uh, which is different. For example, I paint and sculpture as hobbies, and then I have my sculpture standing in the, standing in the other room and the paintings in the other room. And I can, even if I stop painting, I can show you the paintings that I used to do. Yeah. You know. But with movement, it doesn't, it doesn't work like this. No, nothing I can show you to, to prove to you that like, you know, uh, uh, two years ago, I did this wonderful performance. You were not there and that's it, it's gone. You know? and, and this is kind of like, you know, it's a kind of an interesting reminder to the, um, to, to the importance of the action. And, and I, I think also action is a very good alternative to, to you know, on a personal, like on the self-narrative, you know. I feel myself when I act. I feel myself when I move in this context. And I don't feel myself by identifying with, like, you know, the great uh, dancer or the great teacher or the exciting guest. Mm. So um, now how, my, how much this, this idea can be metaphors for, for example, even as a guest, like you say, like, you know, um, to, to actions of guests, not actions of on stage or in the studio. This is a good question. And this is, you know, I try to, I try to find many, many answers depends on which tree. Uh, but I think in general, this kind of thinking of like, okay, you know, what, what can I do rather than like, what do I want to say about myself? This is a good, uh, a, a good strategy or a good technique to not get trapped in, uh, in the narrative. Yeah, although I, I guess, you know, like something that is a little bit inevitable and this is, a, and, uh, it is in those situations is, yeah, you're traveling somewhere and, and, yeah, and people treat you in a certain way according to how, to how you're being presented. Like I remember I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, Tal, and we talked about, uh, it was in the context of how, how do we feel ourselves when we are being in a contact festival and, we, and we've been invited to, to teach and what's the difference if you haven't been invited to teach and you're just there i mean at, you are a teacher nevertheless because you you have a teaching practice but one time you know they hanged your photo on the wall and it's written your little description of what you're going to teach and in the other example not and how does it change the way you behave in a jam space and 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 i think that and i this is something that i think that it's very hard completely to filter out of your system it's, you can be aware of it, but I think that mm. you come to a level that, you know, like that your behavior is really authentically the same 
when you walk into the supermarket and nobody knows you, and then when you're entering into a space where people have a lot of expectation from you, you need to be a fucking master to completely filter it out of the way you will, you will, you know, just the way you will, you know, your posture, you know. I mean, for sure the, fo the photo hanging is awkward, you know, <laughs> this is just like, you know, when you come, <laughs> when you come to a place and you see your photo in front of yourself, especially if you have a different haircut, you know, and it's like, <laughs> If if it's awkward, What's if you feel awkward, here? if you feel awkward, it's already I I, I guess it's it's a good sign, yeah. you know. And if if you feel too much pride, then you know, like uh, maybe it's not. But by the way, Rose, for example, my partner, she has a good uh, strategy. She likes to say, like you know, the teaching ends in the studio, the performing ends on stage, you know, which means that um, we finish the workshop. I'm stepping out of the studio. I'm not teaching anything anymore. I'm just on. We finish a performance. This doesn't matter which festival. It doesn't matter which theater. We go out, you know, to, to mingle with the artsy people with the cheap wine. We're, we're normal. Like, you know, we're not coming out with the, same, with the same presence, with the same gaze, you know, that we used on the stage. And, and I think this is a wonderful practice. You know, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a practice. Her, her, I think it's a practice. And she's always like kind of... It's a That's practice. my point. It's a practice. Totally. It's, not, it's not that you can cognitively say the teaching is done and then, you know, some, you know, especially, I, I feel it especially when I go into institutions you know, because in institutions, the, the hierarchies are so rigid and that it's, that, you know, people immediately project. And I remember the, the first time I taught in a dance university was, was maybe three months after I, I graduated from my own dance education. So, and it was more of a chance that I got there than like anything else. And I remember that I came in and I thought about what I was teaching, whatever it was. And, and then the class ended and one student came and, and, and you know, and, and she came to ask me some questions. And, and I already saw in the eyes that I am representing for her this kind of the successful teacher. And then I told her, I told her listen, I just graduated three months ago. Don't expect any wisdom from me. But you know, like this projection is there, and I and I, yeah, and I feel like I feel like that it's a certain uh, interesting thing to look at, because because yes, in a way, teaching and being in contact with people and delivering your your you know your your message or your content whatever you're delivering is somehow consciously or or unconsciously is also a reflection of who you are as a person. And, and I think that it's, that it's inevitable that it will manifest. I mean, I've seen many people that, you know, that when, when the class was finished, they kept on teaching in the dinner. And, and, you know, and then it's like, then there is a certain, again, this can be very, very awkward <laughs> when this happens also. <laughs> like, you know, you sit with people for dinner, it's like, look, look at your posture. You know, it's like, <laughs> do you feel your connection with the floor? No, oh, I'm eating the salad. You know, what's now on the floor? <laughs> like, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, you know, like, I, I get your point and the, of the joke, but just to counter it, I do. I do ask this my, my, my students, okay, like, okay, where is, what is happening in your shoulder blade when you cut, a, when you cut your salad? It, it is a valid question, you know, because the body in a way is present all the time. But I understand that your critique in the sense that like, yeah, leave me alone. Now I don't want you to establish those hierarchies because we are just eating a dinner and it doesn't have to do anything to the teaching. But 
but the question themselves, I think that they are, they are relevant. Totally, totally. And, and despite the joke, I, I, I completely understand uh, what you're saying. Um, just before I insert it, I just want to bring something warmer to wear. So sure, give no me problem. one minute. Okay. Could I am back. Yes, yes it's Could getting uh, it's sunny in Barcelona, but get a bit get getting a bit cold. Uh, yeah, I wanted to yeah to ask another question that I think that again we there is a certain cliche in this question, but before I ask it, maybe I'll I'll tell a little bit of a story of how I met you, and which is which relate to the question. And I think we met in 2016, kind of four and, four and a half years ago, something like that. And yeah, we mm -hmm. met in an event uh, called the Play Fight Camp, and we were both teaching in this event. And, and I remember you, you came a bit late, a few days later. And also, I think that something that is quite particular in you, in, in, like, let's say, in, in the contemporary dance scene and like movement scene is like, you have relatively a, a, a very strong reach and, and people know you. Many people have expectations from you, I think more than the average teacher. And I remember that when you arrived to, to the camp, uh, me, I, I, never, I, I, I just heard about you and I, know, I knew that you're also from Israel, but we didn't know each other. And, and I was a bit curious how, which kind of person there is beyond, beyond, beyond the, the, you know, the, 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 the images that are, the way you present yourself, the way people talk about you. And I was curious. And, and I remember that uh, we, we didn't speak a lot, but then you joined my class. And I was teaching a class uh, that, that had to do a lot about swinging. And then I remember after the class, you, you came to me and, and, you said like, and, you, and you just said something very humble. You said like, wow, man, I'm so happy I came to your class. I'm so bad in swinging. I can definitely learn a lot about that. Yeah, it was really great to be here. And, and for me, it was already kind of a, indicated a certain nice quality that you bring with you wherever you, you're traveling and teaching. And, and it's a certain true humbleness. And I'm saying true humbleness because if I'm being honest, and maybe I'll embarrass you a bit, I think you're one of the most talented movers I met. And like you can hold really like a lot of opposite qualities and and it's really impressive. And also, I know like the amount of time you have been dedicated, dedicating to it. And so, you know, and it's really impressive. Uh, but it really brings me to the question of like, how to maintain the ability to be a student. And you know, it's a very, it's a big cliche. I, I, stay a student, but, but how do you really approach it? Because I find that in your particular case, I really see a genuine ability to be curious. And it was present four years ago, it was present Two weeks ago when you visit me and we and we practice some of uh, some things together but I'm, I'm really curious to hear like how do you how do you contextualize this thing this question well uh, first uh, thanks a lot both for the the both about the movement and the, and the uh, humbleness um, it, it's a good question I mean I don't exactly know um, because you know, again, as I said, like there is a lot of the, the way that I acted is a lot is connected to adaptability and adaptability is many times very intuitive. Um, I think that, um, for example, the, I behave a lot in, in the dance world, but a lot of uh, what I study was not necessarily um, a lot of principles, especially about pedagogy and especially about learning, didn't come actually from dance or movement. 
Um, I was really, for example, I was really interested in Zen. I had a few years um, starting in Israel, then in Japan, and uh, until to this day that I'm, I'm uh, regularly trying to, to, uh, to, to kind of to learn and to engage in ideas from Zen. And then there is a lot of, um, for example, one of the books that, uh, that influenced me the most was a book that is called The Beginner's Mind by uh, Shunryo Suzuki, which was a Zen monk that he moved to, to San Francisco and he opened a center there. And this Beginner's Mind book is, uh, is basically a series of, uh, a series of very short uh, essays that um, they can be seen as, as things you can read before you, before you do shikatanza, before you, you, uh, you sit to meditate. But it's also kind of um, guidance of how, how, to, um, how, to approach, um, how to approach learning, um, which again, in the book, it becomes that how to approach learning can be also how you, how you approach life. That is one long uh, learning process. And then specifically, it goes down to um, when, when you come to any learning experience, there's most of the time there is no point in, in, in coming very, very full, you know, because you need, you need space, you need, you need place that, you know, it's like, if you don't create space, the, the new experience, the new content, the new knowledge that, again, it can be also very, very specific and practical, the new skills, the new ideas, the new moves, you don't have where to, to, where to put them, where to place them. And then the whole learning experience is like, is kind of like, um, is losing its essence, you know. Um, I, I, when, I, when, I, when I came and I met you the first time, like, you know, I was interested in what you have to say, you know, and then when I listened to what you have to say, I did some kind of process of integration. Okay, where does it meet me? Where do I, uh, where do I encounter these things that you have to say? You know, so you were teaching arm swings, and back then I was I was busy with 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 my um, with with my torso and my ability to express myself with my torso, and like you know, changing levels of using the scapulas and the shoulders when I move from the floor up. And then I saw that you have a lot of ideas about it, ideas that I never I never thought about. So it's like okay, you know, let's start a conversation about it, and this conversation conversation needs to start from me listening because I. You know, I feel I have something to learn there. Um, now, I think that if this is being done kind of honestly, you know, in every context, that like you know, you come to learn, you start from listening, you see what what is being experienced and what is being said. Where does it meet you? And then you take it from there. Um, this this really helps to 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 stay very very happy with this thing of being a student all the time. But how do you um, negotiate? Tom, now, I, I think that. If I may interfere uh, for a second, because yes, 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 I, I, I get your point, and, and, and I think that it's a good base for this, for, for this question, but how do you ne negotiate the tension of, like you accumulate knowledge and you accumulate um, skills and you, your, your understanding of the material that you're working with is, is constantly in a certain spiral of growth. And, and, and also, you are an opinionated person. You have you have something to say. You're not just a, a you know a follower. So you're also acting actively as a teacher. And then, 
and then how do you filter that? Because that's what I find uh, difficult for myself. You know, you enter a room and then you hear somebody saying, and you have you have the your own references that, that can already direct you to a certain degree if the information that in front of you is relevant or not. But at the same time, you really need to put this aside in order to really understand what the information and not just to uh, make your own assumption about the information that is being presented to you. And this is mm -hmm. where, where I feel like the beginner's mind is, but that's not easy thing to do. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to, to open up here. Yeah, I think that one important tool is also to understand when informations run in parallel and when do they actually spiral into each other and to understand that this is a, a process that you can make a decision about. So it might be that if I come to, uh, if I come to a dance class or a jiu-jitsu class or an acrobatics class, it doesn't necessarily have to spiral with all of my dance jiu-jitsu acrobatics knowledge. It can possibly run in parallel at any moment. But if I choose to integrate it, you know, then the negotiation starts. Usually, when you come to a, a body of knowledge and you choose to integrate it, it happens with much less resistance. But if the integration is something that is like kind of habitual, then you always have this tension and you always have these resistances. You know what I'm saying? It's like if I'm coming to, to, to a contact class and the first thing that I think about is like, you know, what I know about the contact, the contact, of course, that I will have some tension. But if I come and I say like, okay, you know, I, I first of all, I listen and I see what's going on. Then I can finish the class and the whole class, you know, would have nothing to do with what I know about contact. And it's totally fine. And like, you know, this class was running here and my knowledge runs here. But if something interests me, I'm like, okay, let's spiral them. And this is where the integration happens. But it's kind of a, it's a tensionless integration. Now, the choice, when to integrate, when it's not, this is not an easy thing. Um, but, but I think that, but regardless if it's easy or not, like, you know, it's something that only each person can do for themselves. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, I know. I think that, uh, the reason I'm interested in that is because, uh, like, personally, I find myself that, you know, like, like I started taking, like making movement and studying body through different uh, things more intensively, let's say, I don't know, 14 years ago. And, 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 and still now I feel like I'm in the beginning process of learning how to be a good student. Because <laughs> like I started <laughs> from a position that I was not a bad student. I was the most horrible student that one can, can imagine, you know, like... I would come out of a class. I would go out in the middle of the class because I just felt that it's not good. You know, just like, okay, not interested in that today, going out. Like, and I was really not, uh, not I, I didn't fit the context culturally. And also I was very arrogant, I would say. But like the strategy that I found for myself is a little bit approaching the, the is, that, is my attraction to kind of more multidisciplinary approach to, to study movement and to study and to understand my body because this really forces you to be in this situation. I was like, okay, I enter, I remember uh, I, four years ago when I started to practice uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I went to the room. So yes, of course, it's very clear that you don't know anything. It's like you cannot fool yourself. But if I go now to a dance class, it's much harder for me to 
to to maintain this quality because of the the, the amount of information I and I have and I get your idea about this uh, this uh, things running in parallel because I think that maybe there is there is a certain uh, or maybe I have and maybe you can identify with it or not but there is a certain wish to make things connected okay I'm I'm taking this class and I want to get something from it mm. so it has to it has to come to me and 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 if I say like no, this is just a parallel universe that is not gonna that I'm never gonna meet. There is a certain disappointment about it because okay, then like, you know, I wasted my time or what? What have I done here? What did I learn here? So yeah, so when I so one of my choices of of studying many things is especially because it just throws me completely off my comfort zone, and then I really don't have a choice because I'm very opinionated and I, and, and 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 I find it hard to maintain this quality for me uh, totally i think also to collaborate on this like of course that there is and this is also something that is a bit uh, is tricky the hierarchy of of um the hierarchy of uh, uh, famousness is 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 totally useless you know somebody being famous or not famous gives me zero information about the the the, the content and, and the perspective that they have. But there is hierarchy of skills and experience. You know, so for example, if I go uh, for a personal trainer, um, a personal trainer that has been actively training people for 10, 15 years, it doesn't mean that necessarily what they have is more relevant than somebody that started one year ago for me, but probably the experience worth something and it might be that even if i go with somebody that has been a personal trainer for 15 years and their method their approach doesn't fit me you know probably staying in a session which is a parallel universe would still benefit me somehow because this is a large experience that i don't have 15 years of being a personal trainer you know I'm, i just don't have it same idea again with like with dance with fighting with acrobatics i've been standing on stages like you know uh, professional stages for over 10 years like you know it might be that you take some somebody that just came out of school and what they have to propose will fit more another person than what i have to propose but still mm -hmm. they cannot teach about the experience of standing on professional stages for 10 years uh, and again, the, you can continue going down, you know, in jiu-jitsu to do a sayonage, to do a, a bow and arrow choke, in acrobatics, to do a backflip, to do 200 backflips, to do backflip for 15 years. Like, you know, uh, I'm doing, a, a, I'm doing a, a corkscrew for probably 20 years already. Like, you know, that. So again, my technical input might not fit everybody, but I do have the experience of 20 years that somebody with technical input that might you know be different and fit other people more than mine don't have this experience so i think that to remember that even though you know um with this i totally agree with you even though that um it's almost like you can always choose to be in a situation and say okay this runs in a parallel universe therefore i don't have tension of agreeing or disagreeing i just engage and I take whatever I want, or I really like it, I integrate. But there's also a certain rational ability to discriminate when is something being based on actual skill and experience and when is something being based on opinion. And, and how do you also how do you doing approach, this gives you and, 
yeah, like this is a very interesting point. No, like, how do you differentiate, uh, you know, opinion to skill and experience? Because even if you have a lot of skill or experience, you you know, like, in, like if you look at if you if, if especially if you're into you know like looking at the world through this kind of relative relativity lens. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, you would, could always solve it and say like, yeah, you have all your experience, but it's still relative to how you understand it. And maybe for me, it's not relevant. So then like, how do you differentiate it? Like, when do you look at it and you say like, yeah, that's, that's something objective that therefore the opinion matters for me more? Or like, do I get you correct or do I still miss what you mean? No, in, in the bodies of knowledge that, that um, in the bodies of knowledge of the body, the opinion never matters. You know, like opinion is opinion. Everybody has their opinions. Um, opinions are more relevant, you know, in my opinion, <laughs> on topics that run into, into a, a, you know, a, a, like, you know, the social realm, the political realm, you know, stuff like this. But working with the body is actually in that sense, it's easy to discriminate. Somebody will, will, will teach you about, a, you know, I created as a choreographer 10, 12 pieces in my life. It's nothing, you know. Therefore, I don't teach choreography. I don't give advices of choreography, you know. If somebody is interested in what I in what I do, this interest can be accommodated. But I'm not talking from a place of experience because my experience is not, according to my standard, established enough yet. On the other hand, as I said, I do Gorex screw for over 20 years, like you know, with um, knock on wood, you know, with never getting injured from it, you know and still being able to apply it on different surfaces in different contexts and live with different levels of tensions in martial art context, in on stage context, in a, a, a street context. So like I have some kind of experience that is valid and I can show it, you know, I can show it. I can, um, I can be this experience again and again, I can reproduce, you know, all of these things, they give, they give a certain credibility, like, you know, as I said, movement is ephemeral. Like, you know, returning to the experience, this is, a, this, is a, this is what gives a certain validity. You know, if I talk to somebody that like he teaches me about, um, I don't know, uh, um, uh, rolling or, or falling or kicking, and the person cannot roll, cannot fall, cannot kick, you know, then okay, they might have an interesting opinion, but it's an opinion. Of course, all of this goes until a certain age because I also learned with wonderful teachers that they have been so old that they cannot do anymore, but they have enough experience of doing and guiding people that this experience becomes even more valid than the ability to reproduce this ephemeral thing. But this is reserved for people who literally cannot do it anymore because of age or an injury. Not, You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I totally, uh, I, of course, I mean, it's very present in, in, I would say it's, it's much more present in sports than in, in dance. Dance, I would say like that, the, let's say the dance market and the, and the sport market, uh, because there is, there are a lot of, let's say, old dancers, but when it comes to which people are being invited, there is a certain tendency in the world of dance to take the most fresh and active bodies than the most mature and experienced bodies but in sports like you know like a lot of legendary coaches there they kept they kept coaching 
until they got, they, they got better with, the, with time and they, they haven't been pushed away for younger coaches. So yeah, I, I, and I get your point, of course, like that experience matters. And, and, that's, and that's maybe something that is, uh, that, is, that is kind of unavoidable with the body. No, like that, like you cannot conceptualize body knowledge. You you have to experience it, and 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 this is something that I think that is fundamentally um, fundamentally different. Like that, the, the and and I and I read I read I read somewhere on your website something in the, in those lines about the difference between you know valuing the experience and valuing like what you got from the experience. Mm. Or that, that, that uh, there is a certain value yeah. by itself by you just being in a certain moment with your body in regardless to what you actually took from it later and that just this time that is spent has its own value even if you don't if you cannot you know quantitize it somewhere later for yourself totally and you know, the, I have two, two very, um, when I'm working on my pedagogy, there's two very um, strong references that I use. One of them is the, uh, is the um, uh, philosopher by the name of John Dewey, it's an American philosopher from the 30s, that he kind of was the first person with, you know, like education really changed at the beginning of the 1900s. You know, uh, IQ, the idea of IQ was invented. Um, and, uh, and basically, it started to, to be formed into the form that we have now. Uh, but still, um, John Dewey was actually somebody that like, was a little bit contradicting some of the ideas that were developed. And he, he wrote a book that is called, um, I think it's called uh, Learning is an Experience or Education is an Experience. Um, and he basically kind of... Um, he emphasized the importance of experiencing content rather than uh, kind of um, uh, hearing about it, you know, uh, or 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 just seeing it. You know. Now, what does it mean? You know, I would say in the in our times, I would say embodying content rather than uh, sitting and receiving it passively. You know, one can even say if, if you even listening is a passive thing or not, um, but it kind of goes to this idea of, um, which is something that I, I said before, but it's like kind of like actively moving, you know, or just sensory moving towards the content, or um, taking it as a theory, taking it as a symbol, taking it as an object, and uh, it's quite it's it's quite complicated, and I think the 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 book is very interesting, but you know. It goes to something very simple also that like, you know, you cannot learn about nature from books. You know, it doesn't matter how many drawings, it doesn't matter how many maps you will see. You need to go and to take a walk, you know, like a bee in a book is a bunch of information. A bee that stung you is like the book cannot tell you what does it feel to, to the pain? What does it like, you know, how much your, your, uh, your skin going to go up and the red color and all of this. Um, and I think that then when you start to consider knowledge as an experience rather than a set of theories, then a lot of this ability to discriminate what's relevant for you and what's not relevant for you changes. Then the second reference 
would be this um, Japanese concept for martial arts that is called shuhari, which is, um, you know, it's kind of like this, uh, this Bruce Lee thing of, uh, uh, Bruce Lee was not a Japanese, of course, but he has a famous quote that it goes, when I started the martial arts, um, a kick was just a kick, a punch was worth just a punch. Then when I became intermediate, um, a kick was more than a kick, a punch was more than a punch. When then I mastered the body of knowledge, a kick was again just a kick, a punch again was just a punch. And Shuhari is kind of breaking down the learning process into three phases of kind of beginner, in intermediate, advanced, breaking out. So it's kind of like you start, you learn, you know, you're just being exposed to language and ideas that are foreign to you. Like, you know, and, and you try to apply them with your body, but then little by little in Japanese, because uh, Japanese being Japanese, probably little by little, we mean 20 years later, you start to reproduce applications um, according to the language. Then in the last stage, you start to invent applications. And then afterwards, you, you, don't, you don't practice, you don't apply anymore, like you break out, you leave your teacher, and then like the whole body of knowledge is become an organic part of you, mm. and it's evolved through you. you know? So John Dewey and Shuhari is two very good references to, in my opinion, to understand this whole idea of uh, knowledge as experience. Mm. I think though, that it's important to say as a disclaimer that I think that these two ideas are extremely relevant to the body. And I, I think that um, they can benefit a lot of people that rely you know, in our era too much on manuscripts, manuals, uh, uh, internet, uh, I internet lectures and so on. But of course, that if you are um, a surgeon or an engineer of bridges, uh, you cannot through experience build a couple of bridges that will break and people will die. And then, uh, you know, and then through this experience learn. Also as a surgeon, you know, you need to find a way that you are increasing your intellectual capacities of knowing the context before you confront the kind of the, the real the real necessity to apply them. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't think that John Dewey and Shuhari fit all bodies of knowledge, but I think that in, in, in our field, and especially as you said, and for sure in dance, they're, they're, they're very much needed. Yeah, actually, you know, it, it brings me to another topic that I, that I thought to, uh, to address with you is like, uh, I, I think, when did you come here to teach in Vienna together with me, I think maybe 2017, I think we, we shared some, some workshop and we had this a uh, little bit of discussion yeah, about same the, year. Yeah. I, I think it, we had, a, we had a bit of a discussion, uh, on the differences between uh, linear learning and nonlinear learning. And, and I remember that in the workshop, you were really pushing like, uh, uh, like, Hey, let's do things that doesn't make sense <laughs> as a, it's kind of a way to, 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 to <laughs> as a, as a way to challenge our 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 uh, our, uh, our methodics, and I, I I really remember this one moment that, that that you know you you propose something or I propose something, and I said like, and then I comment, I said like, yeah, but it will really not fit right now, and then you said like, that's why we should do it, and and see how it like unfold in the in the in the class, and how it will you know how it will take us to a somewhere that we cannot know. And, and, and actually, I don't remember if I told you about it when you were here in Vienna two weeks ago, but I had now a really inspiring experience that was really related to this idea of what you're talking about, learning as an experience. 
when when I was teaching my when I <laughs> when I went with my son to learn how to cycle, how to ride the bicycle, and I start and if you if you notice now I was about to say that I was teaching my son how to ride and then I rephrased myself, and we that we went to to see how it's going to happen, and and that's what actually happened because again me with my uh, with my teacher teacher persona I you know I I, I came I took the bicycle and. And I started instructing what to do. And, and I noticed that he doesn't maintain the tension of constantly paddling. And of course, if you don't paddle, you fall. And, and I was trying to kind of, you know, make him aware of it by keeping the, by repeating it, saying, him, hey, now nah, you need to keep doing it. Oh, did you notice you don't do it? You're falling like you keep doing it. And then I recognized that, you know, the only thing that is happening is that he's becoming frustrated. And also a little bit me, because, uh, of course, I have said like I didn't manage to filter all the expectations I have from him <laughs> yet. <laughs> from him learning the bicycle quickly. Yeah, you know me. The, my the, son should the, ride the bike very quick. <laughs> and, the, and the trap of all fathers whatsoever. Yes, I, I remember. <laughs> You bring the horror of my father wanting me to get the bicycle, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, not yet. Give me some more time. But what was fundamentally like, you know, interesting, uh, like I had a certain, I don't know why, but I had a certain intuition to change the, what I'm doing. And I, and I just started to just compliment him for like, for who he, like just for being, I was like, ah, oh, great. Not very nice that you're trying. Yeah, very good. Like keep trying, keep trying. And, and then I, I just started to hold a bit more loosely his chair and, you know, just to play a little bit with the amount of muscle tension I'm, 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 I'm having with the, with the foot and kind of with the fingers. And, 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 and slowly I've just recognized it like, you know, like I can just let go and he does it without me saying anything. And, it, and, and, to, and to a certain moment, like he recognized that I'm standing by his side and I'm not holding him. And he was so excited and he was like, Hey, Papa, I'm doing it. Look, I'm doing it. He, like, he was so excited. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a, like a certain fundamental learning for me there about like, you know, what does it mean to just create a space for learning? And what does it mean to, you know, show the person the path that they should walk? And I think that, you know, like, I mean, you know, like, as you've mentioned, when it comes to really concrete knowledge, and for me, a good example would be like an arm bar, you know, like you don't create, you don't cultivate an learning experience that people will understand how to generate leverage but you show them like what are the proper point of contact between the hip and the elbow and and then they know how to make an armbar uh, but 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 we do have this capacity to learn by ourselves and like how do you address it when you teach like how do you how do you combine the two really? it's like you don't want to exclude them because we do have all this knowledge that we have behind us and we are standing on your know, shoulders of giant with the amount of information in the, in, in the world. But yeah, like how do you bring the other quality that is a little less popular, I would say. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, again, the, the, just, you know, the standing on the shoulder of giants, what I noticed, like for example, a lot of people that don't give credit to their sources, they like to quote standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, it's like the, the, Credit needs to be given when it's given. Okay, so this I think putting taking out for a moment the the, the this this thing is uh, is important because the the 
the ability, what you said, exactly. People have the capacity to learn by themselves. First of all, you know, um, what sometimes is like, for example, can be a, a big help is especially when you bring external ideas because armbar i would never think in my life about doing an armbar and i think that riding a bicycle is also something that you know you need to show the bicycle to your son and you need to to, to kind of address the, the the importance of it like to a certain level and then when you get an external idea like riding a bicycle or doing an armbar usually at least at the beginning stages, you will be so focused on the kind of fundamentals that you will forget about all the other things that support your ability to do it. So the easiest, like, you know, people, when they learn something new that have a lot of mechanical demands, they forget to breathe. You know, very common. This is like with the armbar, like, you know, you, you're so much concentrated on angles and positioning that you're like, you know, stiffing everything, contracting and breathing which has nothing to do with the actual, you know, um, application of the thing. Uh, so for example, directing, redirecting the attention and we humans, we have limited attention span. So redirecting the attention, okay, everything that you do is good, but what about your breath? You know, what about your muscle tone? Uh, what about your emotional content? Because again, you know, the same story with the bicycle and with kids is very obvious. Kids need to be happy and to enjoy in order to do things good, you know, and sometimes you will need to guide a kid. And again, I remember from, I didn't work with kids for many years, but I used to work with kids for a few good years. Um, like uh, reminding them, like, you know, the joy is usually forgetting about the fundamental aspects of the technique. You know, like, so you need to paddle your legs, you need to maintain the balance. How funny it is that we're both traveling here in the street, you know, the weather is so nice. The kid, like, you know, he starts to enjoy something and then the fundamental that has been taught are coming out naturally. Uh, one of, uh, another uh, very inspiring reference for this was the, uh, one of my yoga teachers, Shimon Benavi, that he used to always say, um, you can show the horse the water, you cannot make them drink, you know. And I think this is, this is a lot of teaching, you know. You, you bring it, you place it in the space, whatever, need, whatever was asked to be learned, you know. And then you just, you know, you just allow things to move in the right place, you know. Now, of course, it means also you frame it like you sometimes, like that's too far, like, you know. You want to do a handstand on the bicycle? No, this is like, you know, it's <laughs> dangerous. It's not a good idea at this moment. But in general, once, once the fundamentals has been addressed, you know, you can forget about them and let them kind of circulate in the learning, uh, in the learning uh, space. And, and I so guess like, you I know, this when, is I, a... when, when I hear what you bring up, uh, out from my question, I think like that there is one thing that is a big challenge, I guess, also when, when, when you find yourself in a position of being a student and also uh, in, in teaching is that, um, I mean, the dance world to a certain degree is still free from that, I think. But I see it a lot in, you know, what is called the movement, culture, uh, jiu-jitsu, martial art in general, like this, this idea that, you know, like that knowledge is a product. And, and oh yes and that and that you know that i can deliver you uh, abc you know like 
forget about like the, the, the I'm not and I'm not interested in like talking about you know capitalism and that but really just about like how we how what is happening in the moment with the body and 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 I think that that it creates this embodiment it's create this connection and 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 when I read something like uh, you know I don't know join this workshop and you will get I don't know I had some Instagram or Facebook ad with some yoga to unlock hip mobility you know like and then you know get it now uh, you get and you will get that and there's this list of what you're gonna get i think it creates the, the like a complete disembodiment because it's like it's already like you already look at your body as something external that you need to do something with and and yeah and, and you know and it's totally and and yeah, that's no, a good just legacy. Like say, that's, without, a, that's one of the good legacy of the dance world. That, that to a certain degree, we still operate like in in the experience, maybe too much. So that's why there's like a lot of also problem in the dance world. But like, but there is a there is still this, you know, like genuinely appreciating experience. You know, I, I remember how I studied dance. You know, like spending a lot of hours lying, just feeling my body, working a lot with also somatic ideas. Well, you cannot, I don't think you create, can create any art without appreciating the experience. You know, this is, the, the dance world is definitely, uh, um, is very much aware of this, uh, of this truth. Art is not being, is being created through experience. And, and I agree with you that like, I also don't want to get into a conversation about capitalism, but the commodity of, of the body and knowledge about the body is very, very confusing, you know unlocking hips, the body as a car, the movement as a system, um, programming, you know, how much I, I see programming and, and, and discussions about programming. And of course, I believe in structures. You know, I write my structures of, of, of practice, you know, and you can call it programs. And I believe in strategies, you know, and you can call these strategies systems. Um, but to think that every physical knowledge can be put in a box and given for the highest bid, this is very, um, it's, just, it's, it's just a very tricky path. And, uh, and again, the only thing that I can go back to is the, the experience. Uh, I don't know, also my learning experiences again, like, you know, uh, and, and to name, you know, uh, Yoshito Ono, who passed away, which was my Buto teacher. Uh, Yuri Ravitz, which was my acrobatic teachers uh, uh, in Israel. Uh, Takamasa Watanabe in, uh, in Jiu-Jitsu in Tokyo. All of these people. What's so strong um, is the kind of the sensory memory that I have from spending time with them. You know, and of course, they all had amazing content. And it was all, none of them was like, you know, abusing the, their, their presence with me to like, you know, to, they were all very, very practical people who dealt with, with dance, with uh, uh, fighting, with, uh, with uh, acrobatics. But their approach uh, had something that is much more significant than little pieces of knowledge. The little pieces of knowledge that I took from them, I anyways integrated and had to change to my own body, to my own context, to my own circumstances. And I think that all people, they have the ability to integrate uh, um, with, po with pot 
like you know with potential and, and with uh, with uh, with uh, potential power and grace but i think that in order to go through this integration and that it really becomes part of you you cannot just like you know just buy it in a piece you know you need to literally experience it and again what is experience we can also get you know it can become very philosophical but there is something about multi-sensory exposure over focus time that cannot be replaced with any you know with anything uh, when talking about the body yeah i think like you know to a certain degree i think like there is this uh, there is this uh, scene in the movie matrix you know when neo is being connected to the head and they kind of they download kung fu or something like this and then he knows kung fu <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, how know, I wish you could download Kung Fu. This, I will definitely download I buy it immediately. Definitely. I would also totally. do, uh, from all the things that, I studied Kung Fu, but I think I, I didn't download it enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, I like you know, I mean I think just just the sense that we can, you know, like, this idea is in the space, no, like we can download knowledge, no. And, and I think that there is a lot of explo exploitation of this, um, you know, like knowledge is something that like, you know, like the moment you're interested about something, you like knowledge is like a drug, you want to know more, no? And I feel that there is a certain exploitation when it comes to, to you know, again, how, how practically you can make people be interested in your work and how you present it. And also like what kind of, expectation it creates and and i can definitely say about myself that i'm not free of those uh, wishes on the consumer side you know like I, I i find myself also like wanting you know wanting things to you know to just be there you know like to okay i'm gonna i'm gonna subscribe to this service and then i'm gonna get that and and yeah and i think that that's something that i find very very unique maybe again in the body that also that the body teaches us a certain different perception about time and duration. And martial art is always mm -hmm. a great example. No, because, you know, like there is this cliche of like, okay, you know, like you, you do the armbar when you're white belt and you keep doing it. And when you're a black belt, it's a different armbar, but you, it's the same thing at the same time. And, 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 and yeah, that's something that I like, I find it that, for me, it opens a certain field that is not practical, even if I look at things that are extremely practical. Or even if I look at a study of, you know, like, let's say, again, like jujitsu, the mechanics of controlling another body, which has a very particular uh, application, just by dedicating so much amount of time for it, it opens up a certain connection to something that is way bigger than actually knowing how to control somebody, which is, a, which is about being you know being with people being with being with people in the same space experiencing yourself over and over in the same situation and that and then you know like this level of as you say like the learning as experience is inevitably present and and i don't know mm. i i find i find inside inside of me there's a certain tension as a teacher you know wanting to deliver good results to people and you know making my practice also attractive for others who wants to consume it and on the other hand i have like a complete total uh, wish to push it away from from anything that relates to me and like what how do you like as somebody and how do you confront it as especially as someone who also uh, 
to a certain degree, is known for a lot of skills. You've built a, a huge body of work and a lot of skills, and how do you approach it? How do you negotiate it? I think that, uh, yeah, multi, being multidisciplinary in that sense is not, um, you know, you, you have a lot of perspectives. And, and the perspectives are, it's very fine to find absolute coherence. Um, I think that the, in that sense, for example, like, you know, what you say, like, uh, uh, you know, you're you related to Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu will, will teach you to fight in a certain way and under certain circumstances. And probably like, you know, by being in a space with people interacting, going again and again, changing, you learn a lot of things except for fighting. But, you know, there's only so much um, mathematics or painting that you can learn from Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. You know, like, uh, uh, and then the, the, the ability to come again and again to mathematics or to come again and again to painting actually has a very, very different set of um, priorities than coming again and again to Jiu-Jitsu. And probably they're different and being different. It might mean that there is tension between them. The strategy that I use to come back to my canvas is not the same strategy that I use to come back to my jiu-jitsu or to they come back to, I mean, I don't have such a mathematics practice, but uh, uh, that I speculate that if I did have one. Um, so I think the different perspectives create tension. And I, I think this is, at the end of the day, it's not the, the, the tension. I'm not afraid from tension. And maybe this is like going back to the beginning of conversation, maybe because being an Israeli, I grew up in constant tension around me. Um, maybe, maybe also the, the traveling, you know, again, you know, gave me tools of, of adapting. Uh, then, of course, that intention, there is a certain, uh, what tension creates is that you need to discriminate, you need sometimes, you cannot always adapt and, you know, you cannot always, I want things to coexist. That's my, my goal as a multidisciplinary person. I don't want that my acrobatics will be a paradox to my dance. I want them to have a flow that they can combine. I don't want that my fighting uh, uh, would have a paradox with my meditation. I want them to have a flow and that they combine. But I also know it's not sometimes possible and then I need to choose. And when I choose, you know, sometimes the choice supports my whole, uh, my whole being more and supports it less. Um, there was one recently, a recent story that I thought about. It's, it's, it can be, seem like a deviation, but I think it has uh, an interesting... Uh, so Yuval Noah Harari, uh, the famous uh, author, um, so, um, which the, the homo sapiens, I used to go to his, uh, to his course in University of Aviv. I wasn't the university students, and I used to listen to this course before it became a book. And it was a wonderful course, and I really appreciate the way he thinks. And I think also he's a multidisciplinary historian. And this is what made his all alternative history texts accessible to people all over the world and being something that is not an easy read, but is super popular. And recently I learned that one of the things that he did in order that the book would, one of his books, I don't remember which one of it, I don't think it's the first one, I think it's the second or the third, will be published in Russia, will be to take out the chapter that talks about Putin. Now, this, this seems like a very big paradox. Like, okay, he's clever enough to understand that accessibility means you need to give people content that they can relate to. On the other hand, the book talks about alternative histories. So taking out something for accessibility 
seems like a little bit of a, a problem in the coherence. Okay. Now, this example is very far from my, uh, uh, my paradox and my lacks of coherence. But I felt that like, you know, even though the first thing that I thought about was to criticize him, the second thing that I felt was to resonate with him. Because I feel that this be, being, possessing multiple perspectives will create this type of choices and better, better to have, you know, better that these perspectives will prevail into something that is less paradoxical. But sometimes these paradoxes will happen if I choose to open myself to different, uh, different trajectories of development and knowledge. And so I think it kind of uh, it, uh, answers so it's a It's an bit. interesting example. I guess it's more co controversial because of like, you know, history and like, you know, and, 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 what, and like if you, if you decide to, let's say, erase part of history to accommodate people's feeling, it's, it's more problematic, but I can, I can resonate with it when, when you, of, of you like trying to filter it into what we are doing. And, and, and there is one, one last, chapter i want to open with you before we finish because we already are talking for quite some time uh, and which is about our our shared uh, common ground as a as a artist uh, active in the field of contemporary dance and 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 i know that you emphasize like you have a lot of importance you put a lot of importance on the notion of creativity. And I remember that uh, when you were here uh, at my place and we, we had this conversation about, uh, about what, what is creativity. And I was trying to, to argue, uh, like I, I had a certain argument kind of to prove why I'm not a creative person. And you were saying, no, that's actually proof that you are a creative person. And we, we had this little uh, <laughs> funny discussion and, uh, and like, and to, to shortly outline like the, the, the main point was like how creativity is present in the, in the moment, like in the moment of choice making and not in the necessarily in the actualization of something. So you can make a, a, a sculpture and not be creative uh, or you can make a sculpture and be very creative. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and what I wanted to ask you in particular is like, wh why, do you, why do you put so much importance or why is it important for you that creativity will be present in what you're doing when you think about yourself living in a body, aging, being connected to the world? Like how, how is it something that is not, how, where, where, does it, where, does the, where is the fascia between creativity and other aspects of being and not particularly, I'm an artist and therefore I create, you know, like, where is it? Where is it going further than that? And why is it important for you to 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 be creative, mm. to engage with creativity? Uh, it, it's a very. Uh, I mean, it's a very. Uh, it's a very big question. I think. Yeah, uh, I know we will not maybe manage to answer everything, but like just to start something. Yes. 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 Totally. Um, well. I think the, the biggest split, I would say, is the split between why creativity is a professional and why creativity is a human. Um, then I think that, that um, first of all, like, you know, I, and there is a wonderful work of a, it is called The Creative Quest by Questlove, which is a, a, it's a hip hop artist from the roots. And he, he's, he did a lot of uh, projects and researches about creativity. And he has a, this, uh, like, you know, the end of one of his books, he, he said, I fail 
to define creativity. So let's all relate to creativity as is a person who consciously creates. So um, I think this is already kind of a, a, an interesting take to consciously try to create things. Um, I think that as a professional in the in the art world, you know, whatever that means, um, this game of reinventing the tools and reinventing the objectives and and reinventing the the, the possibilities is something that. Um, is something that I can more relate to than um, varying existing, uh, uh, making variations on existing forms. No, I'm not so good at making variations on existing forms. Um, I think I'm not disciplined enough. And then I think also I'm not, um, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, it's just that um, there is something about this question as a professional, like I'm taking all of my pre-existing knowledge and then I'm not asking what is there. I'm asking, what can it become? You know, what can become out of everything that I learned, everything that is being asked, everything that is there? What can and this question by itself, I think it inspires because it makes you notice possibilities that didn't exist before. And I think this is one of the roles of art in society to to show to show other possibilities. And so I think that as a professional, I feel that creativity is something that it gives me a sense that I'm doing something. First of all, I, re I connect to it. I feel like I do it. I feel I do it well. I feel I have a, I have a, a, a certain, uh, I don't know if it's a talent or I just like it. But also I feel that it has a possible contribution to society. Um, and therefore I pursue it. And I, I really highlight it as an in uh, as a professional in contemporary dance i think for example people tend to forget that the whole point of contemporary dance is to reinvent the dance every time you know there is no traditional contemporary dance it's a paradox you know so for example i even chose to use and i, I don't think that i i so much and, and you already know my work i don't think it's that connected to contemporary dance in 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 many things, but I think that, for example, my choice to pursue studies on, on this art form, and it would be any other contemporary art form, is that the body of knowledge does relate with reinventing and not with following and varying. So, yeah, so I'd say as a professional, both, um, both me being able to connect to it and resonate with it, and also thinking that it has social contribution. So this is part of this choice. Um, and then as a person, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just a, it's a very fulfilling thing, you know, to start something and then it comes out as something that you never imagined before. It's almost like, um, it, it can almost give you like kind of a, a life purpose, like, you know, cause it's like this realization when, 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 uh, you know, after moving in a way you, you, you never moved moved before, writing something that you, you never even imagined, painting something you never even imagined, making a, a something with a material that like, you know, the, this, this feeling of, of something that you couldn't imagine is, is very fulfilling. It kind of gives you hope that life will be interesting. And it gives, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it, it makes me happy, you know, like I'm, I'm very happy to keep these realizations. And I know that these realizations, if I take them for granted, they will not happen by themselves. So I think that uh, 
if as a professional is, is what I said before, as a person is, is simply because it really makes me happy and it really gives um, momentarily uh, life meaning every time that I create something. So that would be kind of the, the idea around creativity, like the reasons for me about creativity. And, and, and is it something um, that you are, is it something that you find important also to cultivate, let's say when you're, when you're educating people, like, or, or is it something that you, you're, is, is there, are there tools that you can say like, I think those are good tools to help oneself to be creative? Yes, totally. I mean, um, I think that first of all, um, T taking out and you know when, and um, and if we go taking out the taking out the necessity is something that um, that I think is very important when when working with people and cultivating creativity because there is something about creativity that is not at the moment of creation is not so much it, even though nowadays a lot what I'm saying can be very arguable and 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 I think that most of the world is moving a lot of creativity is going more towards the direction of design rather than creation and it's a very big discussion but i think that if you if creativity is always based on utility uh, and this is something we also spoke about in your house it's hard to experience like you know the real potential of it the real personal potential of it there is something about creativity is like i don't need to do anything i have a space and then from this space something that hasn't been premeditated before entering this space has been created. So when I'm trying to cultivate uh, creativity within my collaborators, within my uh, students, uh, um, within the, the dancers that, 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 that work with me, is, and it's very similar to what we did in the workshop, is like, okay, let's forget for a moment about our syllabus and our trajectory, which is important and it's there for a reason. This is what gives credibility. Let's forget and let's try to open up a bit more of a creative space. Let's like, let's see what can become out of this trajectory and let's not just continue building it step by step. So taking out the utility, taking out the necessity, I think is, is a very good strategy to cultivate it. That's a, yeah, that's a very interesting notion. And I can, really re I can really pull it into my own universe now because of this wish to, to, to open this, uh, this space, this podcast, and to, to share time with people I find interesting. And, and of course, you know, like I can find a lot of reasons why I should do it. But, um, but yeah, I think this conversation for me is already a, represent, a good representation of the quality that I'm interested in. That, that yeah, to, to dive into a certain unknown space that contains tension. And this tension is like a like a wave it can you can drown under it but it can also lift you up and if you mm -hmm. and if you if you let go to a certain degree from the expectation uh, yeah then you can find yourself floating and if you struggle then of course like you you go underneath and yeah and i i i really want to say thank you for for coming and like helping me to to initiate to, with, with this beginning, I, I felt very comfortable to invite you as a first guest. First, because of our friendship, and second, because of who you are and what I what you can contribute to this space. And uh, and yeah, before we finish, I just wanted to offer you also a space to share a little bit what is next. What are you? What are your plan? Where people can can connect to you if they are interested in in keep hearing ideas from you or study with you or watch some stuff that you're doing. So maybe you can talk a little bit about like. 
you know, like future for people who are listening and might be interested in keeping in touch with you? Totally. Uh, first, first, thanks for having me. And I must say it was very easy. Always a pleasure to talk to you. As I told you in your house two weeks ago, I think you're a very creative person and I always learn from our exchanges. So, uh, so uh, really big pleasure. Um, so, so as you mentioned, we basically, I work uh, uh, very closely with my partner, Rosetta Tuzaus. We have two bodies of, of, of work. One is um, movement archery and one is a Wonderground, our performance arts company. Uh, so for Movement Archery, of course, everybody that listened to this and are not familiar, they can check out movementarchery.com to sign up for a newsletter. Um, we publish, we have uh, about eight, something between eight to 10 workshops planned for the um, spring of 2021, if uh, the regulations will allow it, which I hope they will, um, mostly around Europe, uh, United States, probably after the summer. Uh, we're also working now on a new series of, um, it's a combination of kind of, uh, uh, as uh, people who, who, who have listened until here, it's kind of this whole non-linear uh, uh, learning essay uh, products, basically. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, um, but um, it will be a series of videos that are called Essays on Freedom in Movement, that uh, they will cover certain combination of technical idea with propositions, how to integrate them creatively um, and how to turn them into kind of a, a personal uh, artistic practice. Uh, so all of this information will be, will be published very soon. We're working on it uh, very uh, diligently recently. Um, yeah, so both workshops and the, the essays uh, all through our uh, website. Um, and then in Wonderground Company, we just finished to create uh, a piece for the fourth year students of the uh, Salzburg Experimental Academy of Dance. Um, we are now getting back to, to a duo that uh, was supposed to premiere in the spring, but probably because of uh, um, COVID, it would be delayed. That is called After the Rain. Um, then we are interested also in, uh, we have a few more projects coming up. Everything can be found on wondergroundcompany.com. Uh, that um, uh, anybody that wants uh, to see will have a schedule of performances soon. We're also taking uh, um, opportunities to, to work as uh, freelance choreographers in, uh, in, uh, any, in, in, in a lot of different uh, setups. Um, so yeah, so I guess all, all information can be found there. Uh, and I think uh, this is it. Pleasure, brother. Thank you very much. And uh, you will definitely, I will definitely invite you again to be a guest here. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Matan. Have a nice day. For more movement-related content and educational training programs, visit our website at www.movementlab.eu.